Ladies and gentlemen, this podcast, scheduled for one fall with a one-hour time limit, is pretty much for your entertainment only. Coming to you live from parts unknown, myself, the masked podcaster, and my partner, the robber baron. Jet flying, limousine driving, castealing, wheeling, dealing, son of a gun. Woo! That's not with three explanation points because yes. we don't want to get sued. Now you only owe Ric Flair uh, buck fifty. Hey, my car, my shoes cost more than your car. Well, <laughs> my car. Well, I've seen, my car, seen my car cost my, more than my car. My car too. is not good. But anyway, as you can tell from that, we're going to be talking wrestling. Uh, a caveat to that. I think caveat's the right word. Like caveat emptor. Yeah. <laughs> Um, pro wrestling today, haven't really gotten, haven't really watched wrestling in a couple of years. We're, we're talking more of the old school. And we'll get into wrestling. how it is now, the state of it. I, I do know people who do watch it, so they keep me in the loop. I agree, though, with the mass podcaster that it's not the same. Well, when did you first start watching it? When I was a kid, and we can go around. When I was a kid, what happened was we had studio wrestling here. And we might as well talk a little about, we can go back about the history, but we can talk about studio wrestling because we had it in Rochester and Pittsburgh. Yeah, that was a little before my time, but there was studio it's, wrestling What it Pittsburgh. was, was one of the things with wrestling, was when TV came in, fed and everything, it became a popular show because it was easy to produce. And a lot of local areas everywhere across the country had studio wrestling shows. Wasn't that, I think, if I recall correctly, had... Something to do with the advent of the DuPont Network or yeah, the Dumont Network? I think maybe Dumont it's Steve Allen was an early wrestling broadcaster. I think he was, yeah. He, he actually did a document when they did a documentary about wrestling on AMC. He was uh, the host of it because he really still loves it. But in studio wrestling now in Pittsburgh. Well, in Pittsburgh, um, it was run by, I think actually Bruno San Martino was a part owner and promoter of it. Until he came up to New York to work with the WWWF at the time. But it was broadcast by the now late, may rest in peace, Chili Billy Cardell, who was who also you've the, heard about. Oh, yes, from a few weeks ago, who was also the the uh, inspiration for Count Floyd from SCTV and the host of Chiller Theater in Pittsburgh. But he was the voice of studio wrestling, and they had... And because it was Bruno San Martino territory, a lot of big names that fans of the WWF, now WWE, heard of. And I know Nikolai Volkov went through there. Was he Ghetto? Was Ghetto uh, Guido Guido Mongol? Mongol? No, he was Beppo Mongol. Guido Mongol was someone else. But then there was also a lot of local talent. Well, there was one. We did our podcast, our Bat Podcast. We neglected to mention Tony the Batman Marino, who's from Rochester, actually. Who's from Rochester, wrestled in... Really wrestled in Pittsburgh as Tony the Batman Marino, and from what I understand from my dad, wore like a cheesy drugstore Batman costume. <laughs> but he actually went on to have a pretty good career tag team champion in uh, the AWA territories with Bobo Brazil on several occasions. He did wrestle up here in Rochester under his name <coughs> Tony something that started with an S, and again, we don't look things up on Wikipedia and regurgitate facts, so sometimes we are clueless, but he did that. <laughs> and actually... um the Pittsburgh Studio Wrestling is the birthplace of George the Animal Steel. Now remember, I'm Jim Myers. I'm from Michigan. Well, that's what it is because you don't. We know this because we met the man. He's a very nice man. God rest his soul. Because you always hear different stories about origins of things. So when he came to the Collector Fest in Webster several years ago, we were going to ask him, get it straight from the horse's mouth, and said, you know. 
he said, well, I'm from Pittsburgh. I said, I thought you were from Detroit. And he said, where did you hear that? I said, well, from your website and just knowledge. He said, well, I'm Jim Myers. I'm from Detroit. George the Animal Steel was from Pittsburgh. And then we got him because we always thought Bruno came up with it, but yeah. it's actually Jumpin' Johnny DeFazio, and we knew it was like, Jumpin' Johnny! Yeah, because he said it was a wrestler named John DeFazio, and I said, oh, Jumpin' Johnny DeFazio, and he gave me this look like, how does anybody really know What him? happened with him is because he was a, he's a teacher, and he would make extra money during the summer wrestling as the student. He wore a mask, so nobody would know. Sometimes from a wrestling magazine, you remember back in the day it wasn't all cable, so he could do this in the Northeast. Nobody in Michigan would know, but sometimes a student would find out, like in a wrestling magazine, go, hey, are you the animal? And he would always say, do I think you think I look that ugly? But in Pittsburgh, they didn't have allow masked wrestlers. Yeah, because, Pittsburgh and New York because you of didn't ex- have masked no wrestlers. expression on the face. So he, he liked the name George. Is that correct? I think he he liked the name George, and Johnny DeFazio said, "Well, why not Steel like Steel, Steel. like Steel City for Pittsburgh?" And and I know I had I asked my dad who knows uh, jump, who knows Johnny pretty well. I said, ask him about this. And when he did, he said, ha, ah, George always said that. So there's the official origin of George the Animal Steel. And I guess, according to him, the character just evolved because when he started, he actually really genuinely good wrestler. Oh, yeah. And then he got weirder and weirder into all the stick, whatever worked. Like, he would bite the turnbuckle. People would give him a big pump, so he would do that. Yeah, with the, the green tongue from, what was it, the... Whatever mix the he would story eat. goes that he had a little bit to drink before matches one night, and he didn't want Vince McMahon to find out, so he took Altoids. Or, yeah, some green. men, yeah, and it turned his tongue green. And like so the weird hand it. gestures for one of his students that was like a wrestler or something. Yeah. And the you, and what he would do is like some old lady hit him over the head with a pillow. Because, I thought it was her purse. Or the purse or, or something. something yeah. or they, threw, they threw something at him. And that's, you know, and that's another thing. In listening to all these old wrestlers, either through hearing them live, listening to interviews with them, it was dangerous well, back in had, the 70s. And he especially. was scary. I mean, when you were a kid and you saw this guy, and the thing about him, guess what about his foreign object? It was a real foreign object. Yeah, he said it was a, a bottle opener he got when he was in Japan. So. so it was a genuine foreign object. I always thought it was like one of those things they put in your throat at the doctors or like a shoehorn wrapped up or something. Yeah. And he would, remember he would do that. He would nail the opponent, stick it in his mouth, go on the and turnbuckle. That, and that's, that's the problem with wrestling today is that that's dead. Yeah. And the you thing can't was, have that if you were a fan, you'd be booing your head off point ref. It's in his eye. It, you know, and the referee was part of the, of the act and he played into it and it, couldn't, you know, and he quote unquote, couldn't see it. And what the animal did, too, is he said the difference between today and then was maybe they're better athletes, but we were tougher. I do agree. Well, because what I mentioned earlier was it was dangerous, not just for, you know, for the wrestlers, because depending on where you went, because there were a lot of what they called wrestling territories. I think 30-some-odd at the at the peak. Every region of the country had a different wrestling territory. And depending on where you go, they would... You know, set your car on fire, attack you, stab you. Classy Freddie Blossy was literally it was blind in one eye because somebody hit him with an egg yeah, in he, Atlanta. And he, actually, he was friends with all the black wrestlers down there, and he literally had to get in the car and flee. Um, I know uh, Roddy Piper, I think, was stabbed in Puerto Rico. So was Aaron Anderson was stabbed by some old guy, I guess, yeah. in Atlanta. 
One speaking of studio wrestling, we had it in Rochester too, and I can't tell you who produced it, but one of the hosts on it was the legendary Dick the Destroyer Bear. Oh yes, the man of many thousand matches. The man who owns a park golf course out in Akron, New York. He had a successful TV show in Japan. Was he the fabulous, mysterious Dr. X there? Yeah, the, I think it was the mysterious, intelligent, well-spoken is how they build him in Japan. He's a Toastmaster. He's an interesting character. And on the show, I guess what happened, I could never... History, it's lost to history, but they had an angle where he was broadcasting. He got bonked over the head by a garbage can, and of course he... He broadcasted in a mask, so the next week he came out with a big Band-Aid over his mask. This is where Bobo Brazil was on again. I will tell you, don't try this at home, kids. Don't ever try to cocoa butt anybody. It really hurts. And for all the non-wrestling people, the cocoa butt was his was his headbutt. Wasn't yeah, it? just a headbutt. Don't try it. Yeah, it really hurts. And for me, it was the Fargo brothers. And the Fargo brothers were Greg the Hammer Valentine <laughs> and his dad, Johnny Valentine. And they were like, they wore these Neanderthal-like jackets. And they were like these two wild men. And what happened was people started to notice, wow, for brothers, one of them looks really older. Yeah. And the hammer, it's like, oh, that was fun. We met him, and he almost had a TV show with George Animal Steel called Gone Fishing. Yeah. Look it up. You could find it's it on, on YouTube. YouTube. There's, a, a, I think, a five-minute little teaser of them sitting in a rowboat fishing and talking wrestling. Alas, it never – I would have watched it. I would have watched it. It never came to be. But I remember when I first started watching wrestling, I think it was probably – late 80s and i think the biggest one i remember was survivor series 1990 which was the debut of the undertaker who's still wrestling was the gobbledygooker there yeah that was the gobbledygooker but i remember we lived in this small town and one of the cops was a huge wrestling fan so he came over and we were in the basement of my mom's house watching it you know, he had his little thing that he got out of the wrestling magazine with the checklist for the matches. And then there was where what would be The Undertaker was a big box with a question mark said mystery partner. He almost was a Viking, too, because that was Mark Callis. And he was Mean Mark, Texas Red. Yeah. Was he part of the team with Danny Spivey for a while? Was that him? Yeah, the, um, oh, what the hell were they called? There was something, Towers or something? I think, yeah. The, oh, big, the skyscrapers. Yeah, was he Big Sky then? Yeah, that was the, when they were the skyscrapers. They never could find his character. They thought about doing a Viking with him. But oh, then thank they, God they didn't. The guy had talent because he trained. If you ever watch his acrobatics, he trained with the Don the Spoiler Jardine. And the story goes, somebody was going to train yeah, him. Buzz and they screwed him. Buzz Sawyer stole his money, told, took his five grand, didn't give him any lessons, and skipped town. And so the spoiler Don Jardine trained him. That's why he walked the top rope. If you can find any old footage of the spoiler, that was his yeah, thing. And who he designed the, the Undertaker's costume? Yeah, as we found out, the legendary comic artist Joe Jusco. He of Marvel, DC, everything fame. And Taker actually has a comic book on chaos. He had one, which is very, very good, surprisingly. You said that. I haven't read that yet. It's good. It Actually, it has it where... He could see, it's almost like Grimm or something, where he could see demons and everything. And they did really, well, they had a Stone Cold one, a Mankind I know they, they had a couple. I remember seeing them. I haven't... But if you go back to wrestling, it's obviously, it's not, it's called sports entertainment now. But at a time when it started, this was like around the 30s, 20s or so, it came out of the carnival. Yeah, it came out of the carnival. And the story goes that it started, 
it was a real thing. It was real competition. Yeah. And what happened was promoters started to notice, okay, it's kind of boring sometimes. Yeah, like what they would call, I guess, uh, the Brits would call chain wrestling. Yeah, that was or that. Olympic style wrestling. That would almost I be say. like saying like Wing Chun karate where there's chain fights, where there's just this yeah. whole one thing. But it was kind of boring sometimes. So what yeah. they would start doing is, okay, why don't we do this now? Why don't we have. <laughs> We'll put you. We'll have you in, then we'll let you. Then we'll try to make characters more a little bit. Yeah, they added a bit of pageantry and then allowed you to do more moves. I think up until the, depending on what territory you were in, I know that uh, in the AWA, if you punched or yeah. kicked, you were disqualified. Yeah, because it was called now they call it shoot matches. A shoot match is where it's for real. Yeah, so that would be like uh, MMA style, and where it's an actual do, fight. They would obviously they would play up. So they would have in an area. Some guy would be the house guy. He would be the good guy. Yeah. They would have a guy come in, pretty much beat him down, and eventually play it out over a month. A series of matches where, in the end, of course, is the big triumph, so everybody can cheer. Well, I know a, a lot of wrestlers have actually made the connection between wrestling and superheroes because, especially once the costumes started becoming a thing, they would be like modern-day real-life superheroes coming out with capes and masks. It's funny and... you should mention that because in the 1930s, it was somebody looking at comic books who came up with the Mexican luchadors. Oh, yeah. Literally, now if you don't understand the luchadors, this is very serious stuff. These Wrestlers, literally, they become a character. A few have been buried in the mask. Was it, who was it, the Blue Demon? Um, or? Blue Demon and El Santo you, were buried in their masks. You see these guys in Mexico never take the mask off. Well, I know it was El Santo took his mask off for the first time for a radio interview a week before he died. And if you ever watch the old good old movies. Oh, Jesus. Uh, with... um. Mil Mascaris. Well, there was he was in there in uh, Jesus Christ Vampire Hunter with El Santo, but Mil yeah. Mascaris, Blue Demon. Well, those were the big three. They, they consider them too, right? the, the holy trinity of lucha wrestlers is the Blue Demon, El Santo, and Mil Mascaris. And how many was there? A Rey Mysterio Senior, obviously. Yeah, there was Rey Mysterio Senior, which obviously R E Y Rey means King, so he was the King Mystery, yeah. is how that translated, and then his son. You've probably seen if you ever watch it because he's yeah. still around. Ray Mysterio Jr., I think he's in the independent circuit. Um, and then there was, who was it, Dos Santos, Two yeah. Saints. Who Dos Caras. Dos Caras. I mean, they were, had legendary, legendary wrestlers. And, and, and the culture is so strong with it. What they would have is, um, I believe the term is Lucha de Apuestas. It's like basically they would wager things on the match, like the loser loses his hair or the loser leaves town. And of course, the big one was always the was loser's mask. on mask, which is always, which is very it was serious. A, it was a gamble for some wrestlers because some of them actually their careers improved when they yeah. lost the mask. But they had one. The closest Mel Mascaros came was he wrestled against the great Abdullah the Butcher in Japan. You could see this on YouTube. And now, if you don't know about Abdullah, he's. Probably the founder of hardcore wrestling. Yeah, I would say he's the Sudanese madman by way of. Uh, I think it was, he's from somewhere, Windsor, Ontario. Larry Shreve, who yeah. found over three hundred pounds. Oh, close expert. to four hundred pounds. He's a judo. He knows judo, and he uses a lot of forks. He's the Sudanese. Was the forks that he would fork you. Yeah, and what he did with Mel Maskers is he forked them with, and so he ripped the mask. You could yeah. see the hair, but he you could see the, the hair, but you off. could never see the mask. I remember what. A few years ago, many years ago, because WCW 
forced Rey Mysterio yes. to unmask. And then for him to put his mask back on when he went to the WWE, he had to contact Mexico and talk to the, the, Lucha, the Lucha high ops to get permission to remask. And remember that because wrestling came out of the carnival, a lot of the terms they use are carny terms. Yeah. I mean, there's angle. Angle just means you set the thing up yeah. between two opponents. Storyline. Then there's heel and face, obviously, the good guy and bad guy, baby well, face or face. Well, and don't forget, um, in uh, in England, actually, it's uh, villain and blue eye. Oh. And yeah. then there's Broadway, which just means a draw. Yeah, Broadway is a draw. Actually, and then the heel and baby face in Mexico, it's... Uh, I can't remember what the term for the hero is, but the bad guy is the Rudo. Oh, I didn't know. One of the big ones, though, is KFAB. This is, now say I was outside talking to somebody who was supposedly my opponent, and we saw this is in the day when yeah. we were really strict about this, and we could really go in in a minute about how strict they were about this. But KFAB meant, suppose you saw a fan coming and you were talking to somebody who was supposed to be your opponent. You go, KFAB, you start arguing with them. Yeah, pushing them, shoving them. And everything. And what it came from, nobody really knows. Now, Fred Blossie, the great classy one, said that it might have been two things. Listen up, you pencil neck geeks. Yes. Rumor is that there was a wrestler in the 30s called K Fabian. Either he was mute or he just couldn't shut up. And that's where they got the term from. But Freddie said that's where he's heard it's come from. But you would hear KFAB. And now they went to, I don't know how extreme you can go on KFAB. Literally, Nikita Koloff learned to speak Russian. So his character would go over. But the biggest was the case of Tim Woods. Yeah, Tim Woods, Mr. Wrestling 2, was actually in a plane crash with several other... Heels, and he was a face. Yeah, and he was the baby face. He was in the plane... I think that was the one Ric Flair was in. It was Ric Flair. It ended Johnny Valentine's career. Ended Johnny Valentine's career because he... Uh, broke his back. Broke his back. Uh, Ric Flair was put out of action for a while, but Tim Woods, because he was the, the baby face, the good guy, in a plane with the bad guys, he checked into the hospital under his real name... Because he went by Mr. Wrestling 2. He checked into the hospital under his name and was a quote-unquote wrestling promoter. But then people started to wonder, like, oh, is that him? So, what was it, two weeks? Two weeks. Two weeks after being in a very serious plane crash, he went back and wrestled to show that I wasn't on that plane. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm perfectly fine. I, Rick Flair, to his credit, called him the man that saved professional wrestling. I would have wrestling. thought a cheap, easier way to do it was say, ah, the villains kidnapped me. They're yeah. going to take me away. But no, so two weeks after a plane crash, he gets in the ring and has a match because he couldn't be seen with the bad guys. I mean, this is a very serious thing. Yeah. There was an incident in the 1980s where Hacksaw Jim Duggan and the Iron Sheik were busted in a car driving to a match because the yeah. Sheiky had a, was it weed or something? I think he had some marijuana or something, but and, they were busted in the car together. And they were opponents. Yeah. And Duggan said he was really, really resented by the wrestlers for that. Yeah, because the Sheik got fired and he didn't. Yeah, the Sheik is a very interesting character. That's putting it lightly. But that was one of the things. And one of the things, Wild Samoans, for example, they could speak perfect English, but they would never speak English. Yeah, they would just... Even like, they got pulled over by the cops with somebody, they would pretend not to speak English. Well, you had to. It was because back in the old days, the wrestlers were paid off of the portion, you know, a percentage of what they called the house. So how much money came in for how many people I mean, came the in. the animal would scare you if you saw him, Mr. Steele. Hey! Yeah. Um, 
But, and not only that, but there were some of those, like, uh, supposedly a lot of the, the heels are the nicest guys in the world in real life. But if you went up to one for an autograph, they might be, well, you're good. Yeah, but they, they'd be mean to you. Yeah, they'd slap the paper out of your hand. And Chris Jericho, when he played his one character, even recently, he said he wanted this guy to be an old school, hateable villain. So he would say he'd get in an elevator to be a kid with his dad. He'd ask him for an autograph. He'd ignore him. He'd feel bad. But he would say, then this guy would go, oh, that Jericho, he's a piece of garbage. You won't even talk to my kid. But that was part of the whole thing is the more, if you as the villain could convince people to get up off their couch, drive to an arena, pay their hard-earned money to watch you get your ass kicked, quote-unquote, by the good guy, then you did your job. Yeah, there was a realization I had because the manager I couldn't stand at all was Jim Cornette. Yeah. And it, at the time when I was a kid, I'm like, I hate this guy. I'm my mama. I was like, beat this guy's head. And then I'm thinking about it later. He did a great job. That's what he was supposed to be. Well, and if you listen to his, you know, a lot of the wrestlers have podcasts now, and Jim Cornette's is entertaining. He would talk about that, that he was the guy that everybody on the TV would look at, like, well, I. I could never do anything to the guys he manages, but I could kick the shit out of that cornet guy. And Shawn Michaels used to say, because he was an arrogant SOB, and he would say, you know, some guys just want to see my character get the crap kicked yeah, out of Yeah, they want to see the bad guy get their ass beat. And if you talk about tough guys, you talked about broken necks, Danny Hodge. Yeah, Danny Hodge, who was a legendary wrestler out of uh, Oklahoma. Actually, never really left Oklahoma. He no, is he like the greatest athlete in Oklahoma history or something? I, arguably. He was a professional wrestler. Amateur wrestler. Amateur wrestler. He went to, what, two Olympics? Because he wanted to try Greco-Roman wrestling, so he made two Olympic teams. Then he wanted to try boxing, and I think he won a gold gloves championship. Um, great collegiate wrestler. He uh, His entire senior year... He never gave up a point, which means nobody took him off his feet. And the equivalent for college wrestling, the equivalent of the Heisman Trophy for the best college football player for wrestling, it's the Dan Hodge Trophy. So this guy is one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. There are a lot of guys you have to understand the athletes and... It's not a joke. I mean, I don't. Some wrestlers get mad if you call it fake, and I yeah. don't blame them. Piper would go. Roddy Piper would go. Oh, he would oh does these broken bones look fake? Does yeah. this look fake? But he, I think, was in a car accident. He broke his neck. But he was in like a pond or something. A pond or something. The car was sinking, so he holds his head in place, punches out the windshield, climbs out, walks up the hill, and flags down a car, all the while holding his head with a broken neck in place. Don't try this at home, kids. And he's still around. He's... Oh, 86. 80, yeah, mid mid to late 80s, and he was the one that would crush apples in his bare hands. You have to remember, a lot of athletes went into wrestling. A lot of wrestlers had collegiate training. Baron Von Roschke, whose name is Jim Roschke, he's from Nebraska. Yeah, he was a very a good Mad Dog Bashan suggested he'd be a Baron, German Baron, and he suggested Baron Von Pumpkin, but luckily... I wonder if he would have had the, the squash move instead of the claw. Yeah. Fern Gagne was a huge celebrity in the 50s because he was such a big oh, collegiate wrestler. Oh, he was a great wrestler. Um, Bob Backlund. Bob Backlund, great collegiate wrestler. Brock Lesnar. Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle. How can you miss Kurt the Angle? The Iron Sheik. The Iron Sheik is a very interesting character. But he, don't forget, he was uh, an Olympic alternate for Iran. Bo- bodyguard for the Shah. Bodyguard for the Shah of Iran. 
before he came to the U.S., and he actually coached the U.S. Olympic team. There's a story about him and Bruno Sammartino, too. Well, that what was it? A couple of... Uh, Some, was it CFL? Or it was, was it CFL something? players were in some arena. This they, goes, by the way, this goes for any of you who think wrestling's fake. Listen to this. They were in, in the backstage. I can't remember if they were in Pittsburgh or not. I think they may have been. But these CFL players were backstage, and Bruno Sammartino, who was in his 50s at the time, um, you know, told him, hey, you know, you guys need to get out of here, so, you know, you're going to get in trouble. And the one guy came up. I can't remember. Rooster something. I don't know. It was, his nickname was Rooster. But in any event, he went and shook Bruno's hand and tried to, you know, crush his hand. And Bruno said, what are you doing? He said, you're nothing but a washed-up old man. So Bruno says, not too washed up to take care of you. So... I think there was six or six or eight of them. Bruno starts fighting them, knocks two of them out. He gets overrun. The Sheik is in the shower. He comes out in a towel and flip-flops, and together they beat the hell out of all the football players. That is you know, amazing. The Sheik in his towel. I mean, then there's Ken Patera, who was an Olympic <coughs> weightlifter. He's a silver medalist. And world's strongest man competitor in the 70s. And I remember actually, seeing him. He finished third. And I remember he lost to Bruce Wilhelm in the tug of war. And he said, this man is fat. Yeah. But he was legit. He was a legit strong man. Mark um, Henry. Well, he won the Arnold Classic in 2002. He was uh, on the Olympic weightlifting team. But then you have one of the most phenomenal human beings ever, Andre Rusimov, better known yeah, as... Yeah, Andre the Giant. He never had any wrestling training. He was just... It's the man who turned over a car. It, well, many cars. If you Not only that, but he had the capacity for the drink a little, didn't he? Was a, I read an article, I think it was on a Modern Drunkard magazine. It was They dubbed him the greatest drunk on earth. I think the one evening he drank 156 beers. Didn't he do one? Because he was afraid because of acromegaly he was not supposed to live long. So no, literally, they said he wouldn't last into his 40s because the, nobody at the time did. And I think he died at 46. Yes, yeah, so and by the time the surgery came around, he it said... It was too gone. Because if you've seen Paul White, the, the big, big show. show, he had the surgery. Yeah, he He's had, almost 50 now and he's fine. Yeah. But Andre, the one time, he liked to stay up because... He, never he was knew. always afraid he's going to die in his sleep. So one time he's at a bar, and they said, we're closing. More drinks, boss. So well, didn't he get 40 no, the bartenders, martinis? No, the bartender said you can you can stay as long as you're drinking. So he ordered 40 martinis or 40 vodka tonics and just sat there and drank them one after the other. They put him like a piano cover over him Well, that's when he passed out in the hotel. They told him to move them. They couldn't, so they threw a cover over him. And what they did, see, this is back in the day when there were territories before Vince McMahon Jr. took over. And territories were just all these little fiefdoms, you could call them, all over the place. Yeah. Even like now in Japan, wrestling's very big in Japan. Japan, they have New Japan and All Japan still yeah. around. Yeah, both of them are still around. One was run by the giant Baba, the other Antonio Inoki. Yeah, who Bruno didn't like either. No, I don't Bruno think. didn't like Antonio Inoki, but he but, loved Baba. But as you know, wrestling's very big in Japan. Because actually, didn't. Baba came through Pittsburgh. Oh, he did? Because he because Bruno was there and they were good friends, so Baba came through Pittsburgh several times. And every year, wrestlers would go over to Japan and they would actually, a lot of the champions would, because in the day, again, you didn't have the internet, they would lose their belts or find, like there was a controversy, was it, that Antonio Noki's not recognized as a WWE He's not champion. recognized as an official champion because they rigged it, so he took the belt but then lost it before... The champion went back to the United States. Did they say it was Bob Backlund? Did they say something? They didn't have a rematch or something? Uh, it was some, it was some chicanery. Kind of, 
It's kind of weird stuff. But in Japan, it's interesting because I guess they don't even cheer. They just watch the match. Yeah. They'll cheer at the end and they'll throw pillows, like in the sumo matches. And they're really big on I think the Egg Dome sells out. Oh, yeah, all the time. All the time. If you go back in the 50s, that's when it really, because of television, again, it was cheap to produce. So that's when the characters came. Gorgeous George. Gorgeous George was probably one of the first Ooh, ones. One of the, if you look today, you have the flamboyant heel with the hair, the blonde hair. He was the originator and of there that. was, even though he was not liked by many, Nature Boy Buddy Rogers. Wasn't gorgeous George with the Georgie pin? He would have yep. like a, like a bejeweled hairpin. You would, and he would see throw him a lot from everybody. Crowd. Like from if you saw Adrian Adonis, he stole stuff from him. Oh, everybody! And then you had, of course, the ethnic villains at the time because of the war. So we had so the was, evil Germans. Well, yeah, in the forties there was the evil Germans. Hans uh, Schmidt was Hans it? Schmidt. Uh, then there was the von Erich, or not the von Erichs. They fought the. Was it? Yeah, the the Von Erichs. It was Hans. Fritz Von Erich, Waldo Von Erich. Yeah, those guys. Unfortunately, the family had a lot of tragedies. Yeah, only one of them's still around. But then they had, of course, the evil Japanese characters who, of course, if you were going to be a Japanese character, you would have to throw salt in the eyes. Yeah, but then then because they were, they would send Americans over to Japan, then it was the evil American and the Japanese wrestler was the was the hero and would defeat the bigger stronger evil american yep they would always be they would always was, they would boo the faces over there ricky dozan yeah. was one of the ones that really started bringing american wrestlers over to japan so he would bring the big american heroes over there and, and vanquish them for the honor and pride of japan <laughs> and really from the 60s to the early 80s you had the th- big three you had the awa the nwa and the wwwf which was an offshoot of the NWA. It started like in Washington, then Vince McMahon Sr. was the Northeast. And it was interesting because Buddy Rogers was the champion, but I guess he had such an attitude. They got rid of him with Bruno within about a couple months. Yeah. And now the story goes, Buddy always said that, well, I had a heart attack. and I yeah, had a, But, but I think lie. Bruno squashed him, didn't he? Yeah, 48 seconds he beat him. And then when Bruno, of course, held the title for... But Bruno, uh, I think, total 12 years over two runs. Yep. And he wanted to lose the title yeah. because literally he was falling apart. And yeah. I guess when Ivan Koloff beat him, it was silent. Well, everybody, I think Bruno thought he'd gone deaf because nobody said a word. It was, what, 30, probably 30, 40,000 people in the arena. I think it was in Madison Square Garden. Yep, it was. You could actually watch it on YouTube. It's still around. Yeah, and nobody said a word. Everybody was in shock that Bruno had lost. And then he didn't want the belt back, but when Vince told him to take the belt back, he said, I'll do it for a year. Turn yeah, it over turn into, turn into four years This is a man years. who wrestled with a broken neck in a match with Stan Hansen. Yeah, because Stan Hansen... Accidentally, it was accidentally. You could see this again. They claimed KFAB. Yeah. They hit him with the lariat, but actually, he, when he went to body slam him, I think he slipped and fell down a little early, and he slammed him wrong, and he landed on his neck. Came back what two months? Uh, yeah, six weeks. He came back to wrestle because the WWWF was falling and was failing miserably. Um, and then you had the good old. That's the reason that KFAB. Stan Hansen was banned from the Northeast Wrestling because he broke Bruno San Martino's neck. And a funny neck. side note is Stan, I guess, in real life had really bad eyesight. So, oh, no, he was blind But he as would hell. whisper to you, I'm going to larry at you. Yeah, Piper said that. He said he he couldn't he could see shapes without his glasses, and that's about it. And then he dropped to superstar Billy Graham, and what he told Billy Graham was, okay, because the way they want they always try to save face with the, with the wrestler, so in the WWWF, they always had face champions, and they would always give you an out. 
Yeah. There's always a way. You'd always have to think. So what Bruno did, it was in Maryland. Billy Graham grabbed his foot, put him, put his feet on the ropes for leverage. And what he told Billy Graham is, I'm going to complain so you get the hell out of here yeah. before they kill you. Yeah. And that's what, actually, that's what Bruno did with uh, Koloff. He stayed in the ring. Everybody's attention was on him, and Koloff didn't take the belt. He didn't physically have the belt. He just ran. And the interesting thing about Billy Graham is then Vince looked for an all-American boy, and they came up with Bob Backlund. Yeah. But what they had to do for Billy Graham is they had to develop Bob Backlund, so he was champ for nine months. Yeah, which is long because in the those heel. days, the, the heel or the villain was what they called the transitional champion. They would take the belt like it was between uh, Backlund and Hogan. There was the Iron Sheik. He yeah. took the belt from Backlund, had it for about a month, and then lost it to and Hulk And that was, Hogan. again, saving face. There was a thing with the Persian clubs. Yeah. Where Backlund got hit by them when he tried to demonstrate well, no, the Sheik attacked him. No, that was... Um, Actually, it was he had him in the camel clutch, and that's when Arnold Scullin threw yeah. the towel in. But before he but got back, hurt. Yeah, Backlund never submitted. He came into the match with a bad shoulder. Yeah, and Backlund never gave up, but Scullin threw in the towel. Which that, led to an angle 10 years later where the crazed Bob Backlund went nuts. Yeah. But what happened, too, the difference between them and the NWA, which is the National Wrestling Alliance, the NWA was huge. Oh, yeah. So you needed one of the greatest wrestlers of all time was, of course, Harley Race. Harley Race... And, and I think he owned, at one time before it closed, part of the Kansas City territory. Yeah, that was big. Sam Mushnick, the producer. Sam Mushnick. And, and what happened was for that, you had to sort of be on the borderline of that territory because when you went into an area, you took on whoever the big guy was, the face of the heel. So you should have had to be sort of a – Harley was sort of a heel. He was just sort of a tough guy. Yeah, he was. How does, if you hit him with your left. Yeah, if I hit him with my left and he doesn't go down – I will walk around him to see what is holding him up. What did Michael Hayes say about him? Oh, oh there was the, the the story where the when the fabulous Freebirds of with Michael Hayes, Terry Gordy, and Buddy Roberts, they were in a territory, and Harley Race was going to lose the belt to who the hell was he going to lose the belt to? I think maybe Dusty. No, no. it was some unknown. It was going to be a screw job kind of match. Oh, Tommy God. Rich. Yeah, it was Tommy Rich. Yeah. Wildfire Tommy Rich. He beat him with the Luthez Press. The promoter came to Michael Hayes and said, all right, you guys stay back here, and the finish is going to be hot, or, you know, the crowd's going to be angry. It's called the bump. And he said, watch out for Harley. And I guess <laughs> Michael Hayes said, watch out for Harley. Harley could beat the shit out of everybody in this crowd. But that was the days, too. Within the territories, what you had, you had champion you had a couple care like chief j strongbow and ivan putsky were the regulars in the wwf well and they were the 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 last bastions of defense before the the visiting villain made his way up to bruno san martino you had to go through putsky then you had to go through strongbow and what you would have you had the the show on wor what you would have was basically it was an infomercial you would have what was called squash matches where the heel would come in from another territory Beat the hell out of the good old Frank Williams. Yeah, some or, guy. You know, beat look great, look invincible. Then they would pretty much wrestle the champ, or they'd wrestle Chief J. Strongbow or Putski. Then they'd leave the territory yeah, and go they around. Would, yeah, they would wrestle Strongbow to get to Bruno, and then they would sometimes have two or three matches with Bruno, and then they would go elsewhere for so a year. So that, that depended how popular the, the feuds were. That's how they would duel them. And they'd admit Madison Square Garden would be the biggie, of course. Oh, the yeah. Spectrum. Yeah, but the what, Philadelphia Spectrum uh, in Pittsburgh at the time was the 
the Duquesne Gardens. Yeah, well, of course, they would have a lot of times loser-leave towns matches because the person was going to leave. By the time he came back, nobody remembered. Well, that was the one story I heard, and I was listening to a podcast the other day, and Ted DiBiase was on there. And it was a loser-leave town match, and DiBiase showed up with a U-Haul. <laughs> and his opponent was like, damn it, Ted, you're ruining everything. And one of the funny things was also when you would lose, it, this mysterious mass wrestler would come. And there was this one guy called Charlie Brown from out of town who looked like the boogie-woogie man Jimmy Bade. Or yeah. the ever-popular, what, the Midnight Rider? Yeah, Dusty Rose. Yeah, after Dusty Rose was Dirty injured. Yellow Dog, Barry Windham, because I think his opponent said he was a Dirty Yellow Dog. Stagger yeah. Lee. Stagger Lee when the Junkyard Dog went down. The Boogie Woogie Man's was especially funny, though, because it was the mask with still the beard. Yeah, because he had this gigantic bushy beard and this long hair, and it was just him wearing a mask over the top half of his head. But then everything changed when Vince McMahon Jr. started the WWF is exclusive. Yeah, and he ran all the territory. Well, he didn't run all the territories out of business. He gave them an opportunity to sell. And if they refused to sell, like some of them did, like Vern Gagne refused and to actually, sell the AWA. we should talk about the AWA for a couple of minutes. Nick Bockwinkel was the arrogant champion. And a lot of the WWF, they swiped AWA characters. Oh, yeah. I mean, he plundered the AWA. That's where he got uh, Sergeant Slaughter. The Body. The Body. Uh, Piper. Mean Gene. The yeah, Mean Gene Oakland. And Rowdy Roddy Piper became probably the most. He was the... Mr. Spock to Hogan's Captain Kirk, and he became... Yeah. But a lot of people dump on Hulk Hogan. For wherever he is, he made you a lot he of money. money. If you were on his card, you were guaranteed. And you had some great characters, Jake the Snake Roberts. Well, and that's the one thing Hogan always said. We said, I wasn't the greatest wrestler, but I could entertain people. And I can tell you, I saw him wrestle the Iron Sheik in Rochester, Fred Blossie, guest referee. The crowd went nuts. I mean, that literally, when the Eye of the Tiger played, people went crazy. That would have been a hell of a And then match. Roddy Piper, just to me, is one of the greatest. Yeah, one of the greatest and talkers. Of course, from the 80s, you had WCW before where you had... St- but well, you had the Nature Boy. Don't forget, uh, WCW... Was the NWA. Was the NWA, also Jim Crockett promotion. It transitioned from the NWA to Jim Crockett to WCW. But then if you go to the 90s, you had the wrestling wars. Because what happened was Ted Turner came in and you had WCW. Yeah, they spent the money. P- piles of money at WCW to promote it. And the NWO. Oh, yeah. But I wonder, do you have a fail heel? Do you have a favorite heel turn? Favorite heel turn? Yeah, where a guy, obviously, when you say turn, that means somebody was a good guy turns into a I bad guy. I think probably the first one I really remember that I actually got angry about was when uh, Fred Ottman, also known at the time as Tugboat, <laughs> turned on the Bushwhackers and partnered with the Earthquake to form the Natural Disasters. One of mine That is, was an angered one. Now, is it pronounced Peter Maivia or Peter Maiva? I've heard my, it's Maivia. Billy Graham used to say Maiva, but what happened was... Oh, Billy he, Graham is... Well, he's, you know, he's but, a story for another podcast. But I've heard also on the show they say Maiva. But yeah. what happened was he was the Rock always said Maiva. Usually, in the Rock is his grandson. Freaking, and what happened was he was teaming with Bob Backlund, and he turned heel. And the thing was, it was so unexpected. Yeah. And afterwards, Backlund literally says, "Like, what happened? What happened?" And he literally goes on camera, "I'll kill that son of a bitch." Yep. And it really got people because back in the day, you thought it was real. People were silent. Well, that's a, that's the thing. Are the ever popular when earthquake crushed Jake the Snake's snake, which was a hamburger. He said it was a it was a. A pantyhose stuffed with hamburger meat with an electric motor to make the bag move. And probably the best storyline ever, one of them, and a lot of pros like this was the million-dollar storyline. Yeah, a lot of 
great if we could explain this in a nutshell, Ted DiBiase was the million dollar man and who he, was going to buy the belt. He he was going to buy the championship belt. He bought it from Andre, who def, quote unquote defeated Hogan, and then he bought the belt from him. But the higher ups said, "No, you can't do that." So they took the belt from him. And then they had the tournament in WrestleMania four for the belt that he lost. But now try to follow this. What happened? It was a Saturday night's main event. Andre pinned Hogan. The referee turned out to be it was Dave Hebner's brother. Twin, twin brother. But Earl. what the, the storyline KFAB was that they kidnapped Hebner. They paid some bum to get plastic surgery to look yeah, like him, even though they were identical. And then twins. Hebner comes running out. Yeah. But John Cena, for example, says that storyline, I hated Ted DiBiase. And so because he couldn't get the actual belt, he made his own. The million-dollar championship, which but, actually was worth about ten grand. Yeah, but then WCW sort of collapsed, and then we have a monopoly on it now. And it's really, yeah. and for me as a fan, there was ECW. Yeah. But it was not, it's not the same to me now. No, it really isn't. Well... On that, this was just scratching the surface. There's a ton more wrestling. Yeah, we could go know, on and on. About I know our it. previous guest. We didn't do what we will say. We won't possibly have some wrestlers for guests. Yeah. But we don't talk about a lot of it now, just because honestly, we don't really watch it. And I'll just tell you, a lot of my friends, they like PCW. They say the Indies is the way to go. Yeah. Ring of Honor. And we didn't even talk about like the Attitude Era. And we'll, oh we'll yeah, have more. there's there's a lot more. We to will come. have round two, round second fall. As it were. Hey, you said it was one fall. Well, I, I screwed Did you say your prayers? I know. I had some very interesting vitamins yeah. in my college days. Didn't get them 24-inch pythons. Yeah. But on that note, we're going to say goodbye for now. Uh, still, once again, sponsored by, because it's shameless plug time, as we established last week, Upsitnik and Associates Law Offices, lawyers for you, the people, from Alaska to the Supreme Court in D.C., all points in between. Find them on Facebook, Upsitnik and Associates, or their website, UpsitniksLaw.com. He's still paying us. We're still on the air. Rob, do you got anything else? Actually, it's, it's like how many birthdays coming up this week, isn't oh, it? That's right. You know, and by the time this is put up, it will be my mom's birthday. So I want to say happy birthday to my mom. I love you, mom. And I will see you in Florida soon. And there's a very special person out there. I want to say hi to Melinda. Her birthday's this week, my pumpkin queen. And I'm glad we shared this space of time together. Have a good one. And now that all the sappy stuff is over with, I'd like to say goodbye. Keep ringing the bell. Check for foreign objects. And watch the KFAB. And just when you think you know the answer, I change the question. Adios, people. <laughs>